0: Welcome to
1: another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Welcome to Pastor Peter, he comes to share the Word of God. Thanks worship team.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Kate, that was an awesome offering message you just did. And I was standing there just standing and I felt the Holy Spirit say, one day you're going to be preaching, whether it's here or wherever, but you're going to be in front of people preaching and sharing the Word of God. So... Just get ready for that. So that's awesome. If you can take a seat. Well, I'm uh, going to share a message tonight that you probably think I would have shared at uh, some stage in my life, and, uh, and I, I never have. I've thought about it, and every time I've thought about it, I just hadn't felt that the Holy Spirit said it was right. But this week, He said, Talk about this, and I'm actually going to talk about fishing. So, um, and. Uh, and, uh, and you'll, see it's, yeah, you'll see what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to share a story with you of an encounter that happened between Peter and Jesus and, uh, and just how that relates to uh, our lives tonight. In Luke 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, uh, it says this, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So I want you to picture this scene, what's going on. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. "'Master,' Simon replied, "'we worked hard all all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again.' And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking.' When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. As were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And another version says, I'll make you a fisher of men. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. A couple of things I want to talk about out of that story is this. How many fish do you think were in those boats? How many kilos of fish do you think was in those boats? Lots? Throw, Throw me a number. Have a guess. Was there hundreds of kilos? Was was there more? Well, I, have, I thought about this. There was many times in the Bible when Jesus jumped into one of these boats, these fishing boats, with all twelve disciples, and they went across the Sea of Galilee. Which means one of these boats comfortably held thirteen grown men, which would have, who would have weighed about eighty kilos each, which is over a ton of weight. So the, these boats can comfortably hold a 1,000 kilos of weight. And it says that the, they, call, they, had, they were catching all these fish and they had to call another boat over and said they filled both the boats with fish and they were both on the verge of sinking. I have filled up a boat with a lot of gear. I did it this week um, camping. We were on a bucks party. And, um, on, and it takes a lot of weight to sink a boat. So there was easily, easily... 1,500 kilos of fish in each boat so when when you read this story and when Simon says I've been out all night and I know what it's like being out all night and the fish aren't biting okay I've been there and uh, when the fish aren't biting and they're not there they're just not there okay they they might be that is not feeding, they're not hungry, that it's not there. And so he'd been out and they would they would obviously net fish and the best time to do that is at night because the fish aren't scared and they, they feel safe when it's dark. In daytime, the fish go and hide in deeper water and you don't get them. That's why fishermen in trawlers and that, they trawl at night and netters go out at night, not through the daytime because they don't get fish through the daytime. And so he, he, Simon's like, well, we've been out all night, and we've, we've netted all night and got nothing. And, and, you know, they'd go out not just on the shore there. They'd go further out and the thing. And Jesus says, no, look, you know, I can imagine Jesus sharing, teaching all these people. And in his mind, he's going, I just can't wait to the end of this. can't Because I'm going to ask Peter to go out and just throw his nets out. And I can't wait to see the look on his face. And so you can imagine. And, so, and Jesus turns around, finishes teaching, goes, oh, Simon, uh, by the way, how about you just push your boat out a bit further? And, remember, and Jesus is on the boat. Okay, it doesn't say Jesus gets off the boat. He's just sitting in the boat still. Solomon jumps in the boat, pushes the boat out, and next throws his nets over. And so many fish fill it that you can imagine he's struggling, trying to lift these. He says, guys, come over. And they start hauling in all these fish, so many fish. And Peter is awestruck, it says, amazed, because to him, when you think about it, it's an incredible miracle. Incredible miracle. To just Jesus speaks a word and says, just go let your nets out to get some fish. And as he says that, three tons of fish are just there. We talk about the feeding of the 5,000. Three ton of fish would feed thousands of people. And so Peter, that's why Peter, the reaction of Peter, he just says, who are you? Because that is impossible, what you just said. There's no, I know there's no fish there. And what you you just said to do, and he, and he straight away Peter said, "This is this is a man of God. This is not an ordinary person." And, now, and we think about that that incredible miracle. You say, "Well, he was you know Jesus, the Son of God." No, he was actually a man just like you and me, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's an incredible miracle when he listens to the Holy Spirit, asked Peter to do it, and a miracle happened. And so. And, and I, the reason I shared about the, the fish, I want you to keep that in your mind, because that is a picture of what was going to happen in Peter's life in the, in the years to come. And so this incredible encounter happens, and, and, and Jesus like, Peter, don't be afraid. It's okay. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, you know, you've been catching fish, but now I'm going to show you how to fish for people and catch people. And and Peter just says, okay, and he leaves everything, leaves his boats, his whole business. There's a lot of dollars worth of fish sitting in those nets right there, three ton. That's probably the biggest catch they've had in ever. And and, uh, And so they're like, leave it all, leave it for everyone else, and they all leave. Now, it's not just Peter, because his partners were James and John, I think I got that right, and they who were brothers, and they also follow Jesus because those 3 became one of the 12 closest to Jesus and you know the thing is about this is that Jesus didn't do anything by accident Everything he did had a purpose. Everything wasn't by chance. He didn't go, oh, we might just wander down here and have a chat to these people and near some boats. He knew Peter was there. He knew who was there. He knew he'd already in his mind before. He knew he was going to call them. At the end, he knew exactly what was happening because he's being led by the Holy Spirit. And so he knew exactly what was going on. And everything was a deliberate act that Jesus did in this whole story. You know some other things that Jesus did was, when we see this, is that he did many things deliberately. He actually went across, you know, to the. He grabbed a boat at one stage and he would go out across the water and, re, and he went all the way across the other side of the to the sea to rescue one man who was, you know, a demon possessed man. He he. Other times he deliberately spent a whole night in prayer deciding who he would choose as the he had hundreds of disciples it could have been the 12 and he spent all night in prayer saying God let me choose the right ones and so we see Jesus doing deliberate things nothing was by mistakes and so tonight I want to share around this thought that, you know, I believe that he chose those men, the three, there was three or four at least that were fishermen in those 12 that were close to him. And I believe Jesus chose them because they had uh, some principles that they understood, which was they would, which were going to be used to reach people for the kingdom of God. And there was things they understood and Jesus deliberately had those people beside him because they understood things that other people didn't understand. And so I want to share four things with you four things to do with around about fishing and that but how it also relates to us and reaching people because we're talking about harvest we're talking about reaching people at the moment for Jesus. I want to share four things with you that will help you reach people for Jesus. Okay? So here we go. The first thing is this that you need to be prepared. And uh you know when I go out fishing that uh I never just sort of go oh well might go out on the boat tomorrow. Looks good. Yeah, right out, let's go. And we'll just throw the boat in and we'll see where we go. I will, a week before I go, I'll be thinking what is the weather going to be like in a week's time and, I'll be, and three days before I go, I'll be preparing which spot I will go to and then I'll, I'll go, i for this spot and then I'll have a backup plan. If there's no fish there, I'll go to that spot. If there's no fish there, I'll go to that spot. If there's no fish there, I'll go to that spot. And I'll have four or five backup plans till I eventually find fish and that's why I never come home without fish. And so, so there's, a, there's always a plan. There's always a backup plan because you need to be prepared. And, uh, and so one of the keys to our lives is being prepared for everything we do. I also have a, a GPS on the boat, and, um, and that's a very handy device because it lets you find go back to the same spot over and over again. So when you find some fish, you go, I can keep going back to that spot and catch more fish. And a GPS will put you within, anywhere in the world will put you within five meters of a point. And so that's how accurate they are. And so you can go, you can find a, a bit of rock or reef in the middle of the ocean in the middle of nowhere the half the size of this stage and it will take you directly there and you can find it every time with the gps and so you need to be prepared and so when you go fishing you're obviously prepared jesus is always planned and prepared every move he made like i said before was deliberate it was deliberate where he went who he talked to was all deliberate. Memory went to the. He deliberately went through Samaria at one stage with the disciples, and they went and they arrived at this well, and it was lunchtime. And they said, well, "Jesus, we're going to get some lunch," and uh, and he said, "Well, I'm." I'm going to hang it. You go get lunch. I'll sit here because he deliberately went and went to that spot because he knew the Samaritan woman was about to come out to the well. And out of that, a major move of God happened for the next two or three days simply because Jesus knew what was going to happen because, why? Because he was led by the Spirit. He made a deliberate move. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't go. oh, look, that's a coincidence. There's a lady coming out here and I'm sitting in the well. He knew exactly what was going on because he listened to his heavenly Father. He was prepared and planned. You know, we have Jesus used it, and we have a GPS that we use, and it is the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that we are led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was exactly the same. In Luke 4 1, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he's full of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says, He was led. By the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, you need to go into here. And that's where he was tempted and faced a whole lot of temptation and came out of that. When the devil tried to tempt him and, and all that kind of stuff. And he overcame all those temptations and walked out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's exactly the same for us. We are led by the Spirit. It says in Romans 8:14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So it's saying that if we're really children of God, then we need to be led and should be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not just our own ideas or our thoughts or, oh, that's like a good idea, I'll just go and do this or go and do that or I might go do this. No, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and tell you exactly where you need to go. That's exactly how it works. And if Jesus was led by the Spirit... Why would we even think that we could do it without being led by the Spirit? And so he was led by the Spirit of God. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. It's our GPS. It'll take you to the right place at the right time to catch some fish. It'll take you to the right place at the right time to meet that person you need to meet for that job connection. It'll be the right place at the right time to meet that person that needs healing in their body. It'll take you to the right place at the right time to en- someone to encounter the love of God because they've been searching about it and they're thinking about taking their life. They're thinking about ending it all because no one cares about them. But when you're led by the Spirit, it'll lead you to people that are desperate, that are hurting, that need to meet Him. All we need to do is listen and be led by the Spirit. Need to be prepared. Galatians five sixteen in the Amplified says, But I say walk and live habitually, so it's like a habit in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Controlled and guided by the Spirit then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So like there's a, there's a battle going on. There's, there's stuff that wants to our own mind, our own desires, or want to take us in one path and go, oh, that, that'll be better. It's a bit more selfish. You know, sometimes we, we battle with selfishness and we battle with my thoughts. I need this. I want that. There's a battle going on and the Holy Spirit says, well, I've got something a lot better than that. It's going to be much more satisfying. And so we need to listen and be led by the Holy Spirit in our life, in everything we do. That's where real satisfaction comes. So be prepared. Be prepared. The second thing is you need to do, if you're fishing, you need to use the right bait. And uh, and uh, otherwise, yeah, we've got, we're going to have a bit of fun with some bait. So, um I never, I always catch my own bait. I use fresh bait, okay? And uh, the fish fish don't like old, smelly, stinky bait, okay? They just, you get a lot less fish. You will catch sharks and you will catch all the rubbish, like poisonous fish and all the little things and all the, all the things that are just useless. I don't even know why they're there. And uh, all this rubbish stuff. And you'll get all that stuff. They, they'll eat the stingrays. They'll eat like stinky bait. But, um, but all the good fish, all the really nice ones, all the nice eating fish, all the ones you really want to catch, the nice pretty ones, they won't touch stinky bait. You can shove it down there all the day long and you can sit next to someone using fresh bait and they'll be hauling fish all day long and you'll be catching nothing. And so there's, you need to use the right bait. And so I rarely buy bait. I rarely buy frozen bait. I only buy it if I particularly need it or can't catch it. But my fishing trip will start by going out to a spot and catching bait, catching live fish or catching live fish that I'll keep and uh, we'll cut them up for bait or whatever. And so every – because I know, I've learned over the years after using – frozen bait and stinky bait and cheap bait and all that stuff of going out and telling this is not stuff this stuff's hopeless I'm not using this again and and so I've learned let's get the fresh bait because the fish love the right bait and fresh bait and you know what people like fish they don't respond well to old bait they it's true people people don't people can pick stuff that's stinky old rotten Manipulative. They can pick. They can pick a fake a mile away. They're like, "Oh, that's just stinking old bait." You know, like I don't want to listen to that. And uh, and so your life gives off an aroma, and so your life can give off an aroma of stinky, smelly bait, or it can give off an aroma of fresh bait. Okay. And so I've got um. <laughs> so I've got something here. Actually, I'll tell a story first there 's a uh, I watch I don't know if some of you saw the father of Lights uh, movie. Some of you saw that we showed it at the cinema probably two years ago now. And there's a scene in that, I watched it recently again, there's a scene in that where there's a guy who, um, a Christian guy lives in Venice Beach and he goes down to Venice Beach and and he goes down there and just wanders and starts chatting to people and, and through the gifts of the Spirit begins to prophesy and speak words of knowledge over their life and just meets people and so there's a camera crew, the whole movie's about seeing what God's doing all over the world and there's a camera crew following different people just randomly, it's raw footage and stuff and so they... Follow this guy and he's chatting to people. And this particular day, he's like, I don't know what's going on. He turns around to the camera and says, but people are usually so much more open. And but today they're really closed off and they don't want to talk and they just don't want to really listen. And, and we sort of saw a few conversations on the show. And next minute up the street, they suddenly notice these signs up in the air. And there's these, this group of people and uh, they're holding these massive signs. They're like three meters wide and a couple of meters high and big poles and sitting there. And, and the guy's on a microphone and that. And, that, and they were Christians. And the, but the sign just saying, uh, God will judge you. And, uh, and so like, and then another spot next to it's got God is love, but God will judge you. And, and this wages of sin is death and and repent or you will suffer hell and, and all these like stuff. And and, re- and you can read this you sort of the signs you're cringing at going, oh man, if I saw that, if I was a Christian, I'd be running over. Like I'd be, I'd be running into the water, you know, trying to get around. I don't want to talk to these guys. And so they gave off that kind of vibe that it's, you know, it's like they're there and everyone's walking like, like walking, let's get around these guys and come up here because you know they just don't want to. And the guys on the on the microphone, loudspeaker, and all he's doing is quoting scripture, all about judgment and all about this. And then occasionally there's a scripture about for God so loved the world. And then, but then it's all about repent or die or whatever. And so whatever he's saying and all this stuff, and people just didn't like it. And so they go and they straight away realize that people are sort of walking up there and seeing that. And then these guys are trying to chat to them, and they think, oh, you must be with those guys or whatever, and, and so they, people just want to talk. So they go up to these guys and have a chat, and they thought, we, you know, we shouldn't judge them or whatever, and, and they thought there's a you know, better way to do what they're doing, and uh, they have a chat to this guy, and you see this conversation going on, and uh, these guys say, oh, yeah, we go all over the place. We go to different cities, and we go to the worst cities. We go and find the worst sinners, and we go and tell them about judgment, and we tell them about, you know, if they don't change their ways, that God's going to judge them and all this kind of stuff. And so they, they you know, they having this whole conversation. And the guy's saying, well, do you, do you think there's a better way? Do you think there's a, you know, do you have to say, what about love? Don't you love? He says, oh, this is love. This is how you love people. You've got to tell them, you know, what's going to happen. I am loving them, you know, <laughs> having this whole conversation. And and in the end, they pray with the guy and, and all that and encourage him. We'll so, okay, well, that's the way you think you need to do it. That's okay. And they sort of say at the end, they say, um, you know, how long have you been doing this? And he said, oh, I've been doing this for over 15 years and in all these places. And and they said, and how, and how many people have come to know Jesus? And he goes, oh, well, there was there was one guy that nearly did about three or four years ago, but that was it. And he said, so no one has given, has responded, given." and he said, no. And it's like, and that was the reality right there. That was like the ding dong, you know, it's like, then obviously... And so they, and they didn't judge and they then went and talked to some people. But let me tell you that when you... Um, it carefully, So I left this fish out. Um, Lydia. Oh, but that'd be so much fun. Um, so I left this fish out deliberately this afternoon in the sun um, that I pulled out, and, uh, it does smell a bit, it's not too bad, but, um, yeah, it does smell a bit, I wouldn't eat it, it'd probably make you pretty sick, but it's, um, it's an old bit of bait, and, uh, and it's been sitting out for quite a few hours now, got a bit hot in the sun, it's a bit sweaty and smelly and all the rest of it, and, but when we, when we come to people, and if we speak judgment and judging them, because a lot of people think that people, People, churches, and Christians want to judge them, which is not true. I know some do, and they come across the wrong way, but I know our church isn't one of those. And so, but they, they, it comes across like a smelly piece of fish. And it's like if you walk up to someone and, um, and, um, and so, and if you walk up to someone and, you know, going, hey, Jesus loves you. You know, and it's take this, you know, smack him in the face with a rotten fish, and it's like just eat, eat this. Jesus loves you, like you made, you got to repent or die, you know. And so, like, and it's like, and it's, it's yeah, that's right. And so, the point I'm trying to make is when we, oh man, when we um, when we um, when we yeah, put the lid back on, when we come across with judgment, and I'm not saying this because people do that here, but in general, and you've probably all heard it, because I have, you know, people, oh, yeah, people want to judge me or whatever, and there has been people that have had that bad experience. But the truth is, we should never be ones to judge. And, but when we do that, it's like stinky old bait. It's like feeding, and they, they hate it. And I would too, I don't blame them at all. You know, and I've had Christians, you know, um, judge me, you know. And so I'm a, saying, oh, you should do that differently, do that differently. I'm thinking, man, what, where do you work that out from? And so we've got to be very careful. But the fresh... something that comes across fresh is when the center of everything we do is done with love that's the total opposite now do people need to know that there's consequences for sin yes they do and we do need to share the truth with love there needs to be that side they need to know oh it's just if you love jesus or believe in him will you go to to heaven or whatever well that's no you need to know that there's a judgment of sin you need to live a life of saying jesus forgive me and forgive me and come and fill my life, and be Lord of my life. They need to know that, but the way you share that is with love. There's a way to deliver that message with incredible love, like Jesus did all the time. And when we do that, you know, the Bible says that God so loved the world. God so loved. God so loved. The reason Jesus came is because God so loved. And if we would be people that so love the world, that we would do exactly the same. We would, we would we, our whole lives, would be sacri- we don't have to die for anyone else's sin, but our lives are a sacrifice to God. We're a living sacrifice. That's what Jesus said. We, we need to be a living sacrifice. God calls us to be a living sacrifice. And because we so love people that don't know Jesus, our lives are like a living sacrifice. We'll do whatever it takes to bring him into the kingdom. We'll love them into the kingdom of God. And so you need to be, use the right bait. It needs to be fresh bait. Romans 1, 16 and 17, I love this scripture. It says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how, to, how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith a righteous person has life. That's another another version of the the um the I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the power of God unto salvation. That's the same scripture. And so what happens is, is when the good you have your story. The, how Jesus has, whether he's healed you, whether he's saved you, the story of when you met Jesus, there's many testimonies and many stories. And when you share your story with the good news about Jesus, it's like handing someone, and you deliver that with love. It's like a fresh bait. It's like irresistible. It's like someone is, it just wants what you have. It's like desirable because it's the life and love of Jesus Christ that reaches, flows through you and reaches out to someone. See, people... Are desperate. I said before, they can find a fake anywhere. They're desperate for truth. And so everything we share has to be with truth. We don't try and exaggerate something, exaggerate a story or something. Just share the truth. Just share what Jesus has done. Be very real. Be very truthful. And people will desire what you have because they'll see Jesus in you. It's a bait that will catch people the third thing is this that your hook needs to be sharp I've got a sharp hook here this is a very sharp hook and um, if you press your finger on that hook it'll go straight through into your skin instantly and so I was out in a boat we went to uh, Matt Ironside's had his bucks party this week and he wanted to go to Fraser Island, and the guys brought boats from here and there, everywhere, so a few boats, and went out there. And I was fishing with these guys from out west in my boat, and uh, they'd done a little bit of fishing here and there, and uh, had their own tackle. And he's fishing there for a while, and I'm catching fish, and he's getting bites and, and uh, trying to hook But After about half an hour, an hour, I'm thinking, man, he keeps missing all these fish. And so I'm like, there's something not right. And so, and I said, I said, I'll keep missing these fish. He's going on and getting frustrated. And I said, how sharp's your hook? and uh pulls it up and he pulls it out and and he push oh yeah it's pretty sharp and I feel like going, mate that's blunt like it's like and it's like you could you could push really hard it might go into your finger but I said you need to use one of these so I pulled out one of my hooks and he swaps his hook over and he drops his bait to the board and gets a bite straight away pulls in a fish and uh and he's been fishing there for an hour with a blunt hook catching no fish getting frustrated and uh <laughs> which is funny and um and so, that's why I use sharp hooks. And, um, you know, and our lives, our lives are like a hook. You know, the funny thing also with that story is that later on he lost that hook I gave him and he mustn't have thought that he could ask for another one. So he put one of his own hooks back on and he's fishing away and he's loop missing fish going, how sharp's your hook, I said. And then, and then I go, oh yeah, I lost that one. I thought I'd just use one of my own. I said, here, grab another hook. and I gave him a different hook and he started catching fish again. Anyway. He only had to ask. And so, and our lives, yeah, asking you to receive, our lives are like a hook, okay? Here's the thing, okay? Your hook needs to be sharp. We get blunt when we don't read the Word and pray. Our lives get blunt. You get dull. Your, uh, your delivery of when you speak to people and what you say and how you share with them, when you've got, when your life is dull, will not come across the way it probably should. And so when, when you read the Word and when you pray, it sharpens your life. It sharpens the way you speak. It sharpens your diligence. It sharpens the way you act, what you say, sharpens your personality, rubs off all the harsh edges, starts to deal with all the you know, attitudes and stuff. And, and the more you read the Word, the more you pray, God begins to sharpen your life. When you hang around other Christians that are doing the same thing, you'll actually sharpen each other. And, and you know, sometimes you rough each other up and you challenge each other and go, oh, do you think you should say that? And, and you know, they sort of uh, say, oh, maybe you should change it or not say that. And they're doing that because they love you and you can do it to each other. But it actually sharpens you up so that when you meet someone that doesn't know Jesus... And had, and had never been to church, there's nothing about God. And when you share, it comes across so clear, so, and so much truth, with so much love, because God's sharpened your life, that they are drawn in, and they're going, man, I, whatever you have, I want, and all it is, is Jesus every time. And so your life needs to be sharp. When it's not sharp, when it's blunt, it comes across... Sometimes it can come across okay, but sometimes it's like just misses the mark. And you sort of think, why didn't that person kind of, why did they sort of walk away? They didn't really want to listen to me. And sometimes it's because the way we've delivered it, we haven't just been spending that time with God. We haven't just been spending that time in His presence. And we've sort of been dealing, trying to deal stuff with our own ability, our own strength. And we haven't let God just deal with us and let our lives be overflowing with His love. Our lives need to be sharp. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the thief is talking about the devil. The other thing is when you let your life be sharpened through the word of God and prayer, that you are aware of the schemes of the enemy. You're very aware of his schemes you're very alert to what he's up to. In the spirit, when you read read the word and pray, you're very alert, you can pick up things not in the natural but also in the supernatural and what's happening around you, what's happening in people's lives. You pick up things of supernatural stuff that's going on and, you, and you're perceptive because the Holy Spirit will show things to you and reveal things to you because your life has been sharpened by the Word and through prayer and you'll pick things up very easily. And so he'll warn you straight away, oh, just be careful there. Yeah, this, that's the enemy speaking. Be careful there. Just be careful what that person's saying because just wait. Just wait. Just hang on because he, you're sharp. You're sharp in the spirit. You're sharp into the things of God and, you're, and the enemy will try and pull you up. He'll try and you know, deceive you and he'll try and use others to do it at times. That when you're sharp, you can stop and wait and go, oh, no, that's you, devil. Now that's you. No, no, you, I'm going to come against you in the name of Jesus. You get out of it. And then you can get rid of him. You can get him out of the conversation and have a proper conversation with a person and lead him to Jesus. And so his purpose, the devil's, is to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to be aware of that. You also need to be aware that the enemy doesn't like it when you begin to share the gospel and your story with other people. Be aware of it. And he will, and their opposition will come. And that's Okay. That's normal. Opposition will come, but here's the good news. But also be aware that Jesus took back the authority from him at the cross. And now we have the same authority over the enemy because we are in Christ. And when Adam sinned in the garden, the devil took the authority over the earth because Adam gave it up when he sinned and and all through that time period. But then when Jesus came... And died on the cross. He overcomes sin. In the three days, he beat up the devil and said, I'm taking back the keys of hell and death. You're now under my feet. I take back that authority that I gave to man way back then. And now in me, they're going to have that authority over you again. And so we carry that authority. So whatever comes against you, whatever scheme of the enemy, whatever he tries to discourage you, whatever it is, you can stand firm and say, no. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over you. You can step back. You can step away. Whatever you say has no power over me. I have authority over you, and you've got to leave. And you just got to speak a word, uh, to speak the name of Jesus in a situation. He has to flee. He has to flee. The last thing is this. You need to have good gear. I've got a rod here somewhere. You need to have good gear. If you're going to go fishing, and, uh, and I use good gear, and, um, and it's reliable and doesn't let me down. I've been fishing with some guys that have uh, used poor gear and uh, I've watched rods break and uh, handles come off reels, and, uh, and I've watched sp- spools melt from heat from when they've hooked a big fish and the reel can't handle it. And uh, that's fun to watch. And trying to put water on the w- reel to cool it down, it doesn't work, and then it just explodes. And then stuff like that. And so, like, line that's meant to be really good line, it's really cheap, and it says it's going to break at a certain breakage, and it breaks, like, half of it, and they keep hooking the fish and snapping the line the whole day and, and all that kind of stuff. But you need to use good gear. And the thing is that... Um, We have the best gear. And the best gear is the power and life of the Holy Spirit. The best gear we have is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit is always working on all those things. You allow Him to work in your life, and it's it's reading the Word, spending time in prayer, the, and you say, God, let the fruit of the Spirit, let your love, your joy, your peace, fill my life, let patience fill my life. Help me work on these things, and He'll work on your life. And then we have the gifts of the Spirit at work in us. Gifts of words of knowledge, of prophecy, of gifts of faith and healing, and, and all that kind of stuff are at work, and that is good gear. The Holy Spirit gives us the best gear. He fully equips us. You are fully equipped with the Holy Spirit. You're full, you're, there's nothing more. He has, he has all the power you need, all the authority you need, and most of the time, it's just us getting our lives, spending time in His Word and praying to tune in with what the Holy Spirit is always already waiting there to do. He goes, I've got all this stuff. I'm ready to move. I've got all these people lined up for you to talk to. That person's going to get healed. That person's just waiting to come into the kingdom. That person just needs someone to love them. And, that, and, he's, and they're all there ready. And, and as we just spend time in his presence and we read the word and the Holy Spirit starts, the GPS of the Holy Spirit starts to go, oh, This today you need to do this. Today you need to do that. Go to that place. Do this. Have lunch there. Do, ring this person. And, it's the, and he'll all these things flowing together for us to reach people into the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit And we should do exactly the same thing. He talked about the kingdom. He shared about the kingdom. He shared love. But he demonstrated the power of of the kingdom of God. People being healed. People being set free. At the start, we talked about Peter. And how he had that encounter with Jesus. And how that picture, I believe that that encounter was a picture of what was to come. Jesus was standing on that side of the bank and people were pressing it around him. So he jumps in a boat and a crowd of people, he's, he's speaking, telling things about the kingdom and all that stuff. After Jesus uh, ascends and tells them to wait in the upper room, he says the Holy Spirit's going to come be poured out. They're in the upper room. Holy Spirit's poured out on 120 and there's tongues of fire on each of them, the anointing of God's on each of them. And who is it that stands up and speaks? It's Peter. And he stands there in a crowd of 3,000 people or more. And he begins to tell them the good news about Jesus. He, begin, he also confronts them and says, look, this is what happened. This is what you did. But this is the good news. He loves you. You can come and respond to him right now. And he begins to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says over 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day. There's a comparison with that. That in that boat, when he, they did that miracle, that there was at least three tons of fish, 3,000 kilos of fish caught in that day. And three years later, Jesus, Peter's preaching and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. When you don't know what to do, just look to see what Jesus did. When you don't know... How to act or what what you need to do or think how to what a how do I act in this situation? If you're reading the word of God, look to the life of Jesus and see how he handled situations. Bill Johnson says that Jesus is perfect perfect theology. Perfect theology. Everything about his life is perfect theology. You can look to him. Everything Jesus did, when you're not sure how to handle the situation. Don't try and work it out yourself. Say, Jesus, how did you handle that situation? And allow the Holy Spirit to tell you. Allow him to guide you in the word and say, read that story. Read that situation. Look what I did there. Because the Holy Spirit is ready to speak, to lead you, speak in your life, to sharpen your life, to prepare you every day for what he has in store. Why don't you stand tonight? close your eyes just for a moment you know um, I believe every single person in this place all of us are called to lead people to Jesus we all are some people obviously are called in and there's a gift of evangelism on their life and they may lead hundreds of people but all of us are called to to lead people to Jesus. When Jesus sent disciples out, he didn't sort of say, oh, just, you know, he said, oh, you all go, 72 go, and he didn't sort of say, well, you know, well, never said like, oh, you can't do it. He just sent them all and said, you go and tell people about me. I give you my Holy Spirit, I gave you my power, I give you my authority. The Holy Spirit was poured out on everyone in the upper room, everyone that was present was filled with the Holy Spirit. We are all called to win people into the kingdom of God. And for some of you, it might be a handful of people. For some of you, it could be one person a year. That's okay. For some of you, it could be 10, 20, 30, 40. But what I shared tonight is very simple. It's not difficult. Jesus didn't make it difficult. He didn't say we had to be super saints or super Christians or work so hard it's meant to be very natural and very easy and he connects the holy spirit connects with your personality and who you are and he works through you and you will all reach different people because your personalities are different and some of you i'm not going to reach going to be able to reach some people that you are because i'm not going to connect with that person well but some other people in this room are and that's why all of us needs to be about the work of reaching people. That's why all of us need to be active in reaching out to others because our whole city, the salvation of our city, depends on all of us stepping out and reaching out to people. And the Holy Spirit's calling people tonight and challenging people tonight to say, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. The Holy Spirit wants to speak in your life. He wants to encourage you tonight. He wants you to say, come on, just, just, just begin to read my word and begin to pray. And, and let me lead you. Let me sharpen you. Let me, let me help you to share your story. Let me help you to share the good news and all of us can step out and do it. If you are here tonight, I'm going to pray for some people in a moment. But if you are here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus... I've talked about people coming to Jesus tonight and salvation. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is, is giving your life to Jesus Christ. And so when you surrender your life to him and ask him to be Lord of your life, he asks him to forgive you of all your sin. He comes in and changes you from the inside out. And if you're here tonight and you've never done that, or maybe you feel like you're away from Him, you feel like you're distant from God, and He says, I want you to be close to my heart. And if that's you saying, I need to do that tonight, I need to give my life to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand in this place. Thank you. Who else tonight? You've done it, or maybe you've done it before. It doesn't matter, but you know if you need to do it or not. If you need to do that, just quickly put your hand up and put it back down before we pray for some other people tonight. Awesome, thank you. Anyone else need to do that tonight? Here's what we're going to do. A couple of people responded but you can come out and call some others. If you are challenged tonight, any of those things I shared, if you feel challenged tonight, just saying I need to get sharp, that's the one I feel that people God's really pressing tonight. He says you need to be like a hook that's not some of you are a bit dull and he says I want to sharpen you I want to sharpen you I want I want my word to sharpen you I want my the, your prayer to sharpen you when you spend time in my presence and if you've been challenged by any of those things I've talked about tonight I'm going to open up this altar for you to respond. You're not responding to me, you're responding to God and say God sharpen me, help me, prepare me because I want to be someone that can lead people to you. Maybe you struggle to love people, and 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 maybe there's been a judgment, like a judgmental attitude over people, and, and you're saying, God, fill me with your love. I don't want to have that judgment. I don't want to speak to people in that way, but I want to see people the way you see them. If that's you tonight, why don't you just step out of your seat right now as we sing this song, and just respond
1: tonight.
0: Some of the team are going to begin to pray, and I, just, I know there's some others out there that a challenge that and maybe you haven't stepped at the front we're just going to leave this altar over to begin to pray and i encourage you i just believe god's calling people there's thousands of people in our city that need to meet jesus there's thousands of people and some of us just need to step out of our comfort zone a bit more and step out and say god i'll do what you want me to do god i'll, I'll maybe laid some things aside and so the Lord God, you can lead me, Holy Spirit, in exactly what, where you want me to be. I'll step out. And, and sometimes, I know it's hard. Sometimes some people go, oh, it's my personality, it's hard to reach out to people. But Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to step out into areas where you haven't done that before. And it's going to be a catalyst for you to reach people. There's people you know all over this city, in your workplace, friends that are, are waiting, are just waiting for you to be able to speak to them through the power of the holy spirit words of life that will draw them to jesus we we're going to sing this and we're going to pray for some people here but i encourage you to come if god is stirring you then to come and respond tonight thank you lord let's just reach up to
1: heaven god wants to give each one of us confidence quite often we've got the tools and the gifts and the the presence of God, but we just lack confidence to reach out. I just want to believe for God to just give fresh confidence in all of us. For some of you, you don't have to go looking for people. They're in your sporting team or your the gym where you go or your workplace or the new neighbours that have moved next door. Guess what? God sent them to your place. I met a lady this week who made a response to Jesus at Don McDonnell's meetings. God moved them next door to Doug and Becky, and they invited them along. And the Spirit of God's just working in their lives. God, if you're open, God will place people beside you, around you. Let's reach up for that confidence to come. Lord, we just pray that you would release confidence in all of our hearts, Father. Lord, we won't be afraid. But Lord, you would fill us with confidence just to reach out that prayer of faith, offering to pray. Lord, sowing those seeds, that act of kindness. Lord, just giving them a gift. Lord, sowing a seed. I thank you, Lord, for confidence this week over all of our lives. Lord, we will go with confidence knowing that you are flowing in us and through us. Lord, I thank you for that grace of God just overflowing our lives. Holy Spirit, you give us confidence because you've equipped us. Oh, God, let the gifts of your spirit flow. Let words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, Lord, working of miracles, the gift of faith. Lord, the gifts of healings, Lord. God, I just thank you for the discerning of spirits. I thank for the gifts, Lord, that equip us to be fruitful. Lord, I thank you for the gifts. I thank you for the fruit of your spirit that make us fresh and attractive. I thank you for that grace overflowing our lives. Oh, Jesus. Let's just sing this a couple more times. If you're at the front being prayed, but just let the presence of God wash over you. Lord, we go in your name. We go out in your name, led by your spirit, filled with overflow. And Lord, I just thank you for the gracious work of your spirit in our lives. I thank you for the overflow in our hearts. Help us to be fishers of men and women. Lord, let increase, multiplication, overflow happen in our lives, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're being ministered to, just stay here. Have an amazing week. Take someone out for supper. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next weekend.